is what it is podcast coming to you in the shadow of Bank of America Stadium from the ESPN 730 The Game Charlotte Studios here live and direct right into your iPods and then onto your earphones and then into your ear holes. My name is Josh Klein. I am the managing editor of The Riot Report sitting directly across from me, eh, maybe like a 10%, 10, 10 degree angle away is my good friend, Roaring Riot ringleader, Zach Luttrell. Zach, say hi. Stop checking your phone. Hey, I'm sorry, everybody. The Twitter announcements for the schedule release are coming out, so that obviously has my attention, because even though some people very publicly say that schedule release day is dumb, for me it is very exciting, because it goes into uh, you know pretty much all of our plans for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. What game would you say that you're most excited about? Would you say that you're excited about the week one opener? Uh, so my answer would have been different uh, maybe an hour and a half ago before I found out some of the the, uh, the schedule dates. But yes, the week one opener sounds like it's going to be very exciting. I think the week one opener is going to be very exciting. And also, the week three preseason game is going to be lit. Um, also joining us here in the studio, because I don't want to talk for too long without his dulcet tones coming into... Your ear holes is our good friend, columnist at the Riot Report, handsome debonair, and maybe my best friend. I don't know. We'll see. We're we're getting there. We're building towards it. We're definitely in the friend zone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like I've I was born in the friend zone, and I'm gonna die in the friend zone. <laughs> That's Colin Hoggart on microphone two. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Col- you referenced the iPod just to make sure. Was that a mistake, or do you actually still actively use an iPod? Uh, is that not cool? Okay. I don't. I have a. Just curious. I like the click wheel. That's what I like about it. Is, uh, do they still make shuffles? Those were cool. Were, were those like the little baby ones? Yeah, you that just kind of you... clip it on yourself and go. And you never do no what was screen. coming next. It was no just screen. like it was all surprise. That was fun, and it was kind of nice. Like if you were going to go exercise, not that I was, but if you theoretically yeah. were going we, to exercise, when you saw people exercise. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I bet they got one of them shuffles on, <laughs> and they are shuffling up their music. They don't even know what's coming up next. Is it Mace? Is it Nine Inch Nails? These are '90s re- or 2000s references that I think are <laughs> completely anachronistic. Uh, are you guys excited? I mean, the schedule is releasing today. We are. One week from the NFL draft, we're basically in the worst section of NFL news period where everybody is starting to drag draft guys through the mud. They're also saying like, oh, I can't believe you could possibly, possibly think that that guy's a first round pick. And then he goes like 15th overall. It's all the same stuff. It's Dave Gettleman talking about people in their underwear. Uh, Colin, is there a worse time to be an NFL fan? I I'm enjoying this time. I really am. I I don't I don't hate it. Maybe it's because I don't I don't have the pressure to deal with it every day anymore. But I don't I enjoy this time. I enjoy the new life that's going to come to this team and, and thinking about the possibilities. I understand that people get kind of worn down, but that's because media outlets are trying from this from the jump to get people into draft mode more than I think. And so I think it becomes the, the grind is for the people that are living in it. I I think this is a fun time. I'm having a lot of fun conversations with people about what this team might do. Oh, yeah. uh, are you talking in real life or on Twitter? Because you can't have fun conversations on oh, Twitter. Oh, no, there's no such thing. No, there's you no can only thing. yell in uh, you can all caps and, and laugh your ass off a lot and say, wrong. wow, wow, with like, how do you say <laughs> wow with all the W's at the end? Uh, and also the thing that really I feel like on Twitter that's very um, condescending is when they do the, the, the greater than symbol a bunch of times, you oh, know, yeah. like 
calling run plays in the red zone and then a bunch of greater than symbols. That's demeaning to somebody. I don't know what that means. Really? No. Oh, you you have not gotten you just into thought arguments. There were arrows. You thought it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are they direction? pointing to? So they're so they're going <laughs> left to right, right on your own screen. <laughs> this guy loves Marshawn Lynch, and he loves pointing to the right. Wait. So what are they doing? They're they're being jerks. That's basically what they're doing. They're trying to say that whatever their thing is is much better than anything you could possibly come up with. And then sometimes just throw an ink in the work. An ink in the works, a wrench in the works. They're uh, they're doing it sarcastically. So then you seem you feel like, oh man, this guy agrees with me. Oh no, he probably doesn't. And it's and it's it's a statement on a platform driven to cause conversation that is to shut down conversation. Which seems counterproductive. I love I love everybody. It's a a great experience every time you check in. Before we get too far into this thing, we are. This is the It Is What It Is podcast, powered by the Riot Report. Just want to let you guys know we're going to be talking about Greg Olson. We're going to be talking about the draft. We're going to be talking about uh, who we think the Panthers are going to draft in their first round and then who we don't want them to draft in the first round. We're also going to talk about the maybe a new look defense, kind of an old look defense, if you know what I'm saying. That's a little teaser for later in the podcast. Uh, Eric Washington, how he would think he's going to do. We're going to wrap everything up with a, I did an interview with Eric Washington, the new defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. And that's going to be right at the tail end of the podcast where you can hear him talk about what he looks for in a safety, um, whether he thinks they can find a day one starter in the draft, what their plan is to replace Thomas Davis for the first quarter of the season, all kinds of a lot of good nuggets from the new DC, Eric Washington, who is uh, basically probably going to be the head coach of a team next season, right? That's how it works when you're the defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers? Apparently so. Now, I don't want you to give anything away, but when you mentioned day one starter to him in this draft, what was the vibe that you got from him? Uh, Given the fact that we assume, we think this team may lean heavily offense early in the draft. um, He said he basically just coach speaked his way around it. Spoilers. We're trying okay. to get people to actually listen to the interview. So he gave let me get let me re, let me retake that. I, just, Three. I was just trying to take the temperature of the room. <laughs> Three, two, one. He gave a direct answer and basically said that they're going to draft Justin Oh, wait till the end of the podcast. Oh man, right after to, the cheers commercial. Tune in to find out. Cheers. Yeah, we've got Cheers as our number one sponsor, the presenting sponsor of the It Is What It Is podcast. Um Colin Let's talk about Greg Olson. We've got a lot of stuff to say. He had a lot of stuff to say on Twitter to people. Apparently the team had some stuff to say on Twitter too. Oh yeah, they really they dropped some they dropped the mic is what they say. Yeah. Well, the the only thing about that <laughs> is you know, they said when when you're not I got I'll let you lead in. I sure, yeah. So, uh so Greg Olson uh, kind of did a little bit of the car wash around with uh, Joe Person of the Charlotte Observer, ESPN, the Panthers.com guys, and, and did interviews. And at some point, he was asked about a contract extension where he said that he would prefer a contract extension because he doesn't want to play with it up in the air. But if his contract runs out, then after this season, he'll be a free agent and he'll test the waters. Now, as we all remember before that... Um, there was about a two-hour stretch where everyone thought that Greg Olson was going to be retiring, right? Like, that was it was happening. Like, it was happening. He's going to go retire and be Monday Night Football analyst. Right. I don't think... Did people actually think it was going to happen? I know some people did, but they were on Twitter, so they don't count. Did, <laughs> did actual people think it was going to happen? Or... It, it felt like it was a year early. Like, I always thought, like, this is, this is coming. This is down the line. I didn't think he was... 
Because he's not going to get paid top 10 tight end money to be a broadcaster next season. No, I mean, he's not, but that doesn't... And isn't this that what this is about, is money? Is that is it money, or is it like assurances, and he wants to know? He seems like the kind of guy, like, obviously, I'm sure money is important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it pays the bills. He has it's, to renegotiate last offseason. Yeah, it, it is true, and he did renegotiate, and that ended up shooting himself in the foot, right? I mean... Well, no, he didn't shoot himself in the foot. His foot just got injured. Well, technically... His foot shot himself in the foot. Uh, in the wallet. Yeah, exactly. So he renegotiated his contract for a bunch of incentives that seemed like they were, he was almost certainly going to hit them and then broke Which, his foot. Kudos to, kudos to Marty Herney on that one. Oh, can we get that? Can you just say that again so we can get that clean? That's kudos to Marty Herney because there you go. He, he could have just given him money. They easily could have just given him money, instead, gave him incentives. And that was the right thing to do for a 33 year old tight end, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, yes, Greg Olson is 33. Yes, he's on the decline. But do you feel like, and this may be the wrong attitude to have, but I, I feel like Greg Olson is not really doing anything wrong right now. All they, He was asked a question, and he answered it truthfully and a, in a reasonable way, in my opinion. I don't think he's, it's wrong, but I do think he's trying to make more money, and that's if if that doesn't make it a distraction, which I don't think it should, because we know the salary cap and we know money is a part of this business. We talk about TV deals. We talk about the salary cap. We talk about how much rookies are going to cost. We talk about money all the time, and then a player talks about money and they get labeled as a distraction. I don't think holding that's, hostage, yeah, hostage holder. I don't think I don't think that is a is a fair label. However, I do think it's very interesting. In the last eighteen months. That all of a sudden, virtually every elder statesman for this team has gotten very vocal about money. At an organization that that normally has not been the case. That's not been the status quo. And what I think this shows and what these last you know, 18 months between guys trying to pick when they're retiring, announcing ahead of time that they're retiring. I mean, Charles Johnson tried to say he was going to retire for next season, you know, I think trying to stay on the roster. I think he's still retired right now. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, probably rightly so. He's got other things going on. He doesn't need to keep No, he, he said this at the end of last year, though, before he was released by the team. That right. he, no, I know. He was, okay. So yeah. he was trying I was to just, do I was just joking because oh, he's not you. on a team currently. Told you I wasn't 100% here. <laughs> but here's the thing. The top two guys who, by the way, aren't paid incredibly have say, say nothing. And yet these elder statesmen keep knocking on the door. The guys who are giving less and less because Ryan Khalil and Greg Olson gave this team squadoosh basically last year. They gave, they gave them very little last year. Ryan Khalil got to keep his deal. Greg Olson asked for more money last year, and now he's asking for more money this year. Thomas Davis was asking for more money. And all this points back to one thing. And that is the fact that the director of pro personnel for the Carolina Panthers has been Jerry Richardson for a long time. And, and I don't mean in terms of the bottom of the roster, but make no mistake, he has been the decision maker. And no owner, no owner, it doesn't matter who comes in here next or any other owner around the league is going to pay Greg Olson more than what he's hoping to get paid by Jerry Richardson right now. I, I agree with you, but does that mean that he is in the wrong for trying to get that money? I guess that's my well, question. Is like, he, okay, when, but, when he but, says that he wants a, he wants an extension, is that the wrong attitude to have? I want an extension. I would love a raise, literally right now. But, but 
Is he not going to his boss? Is he not going to the person who's responsible for giving him that raise and having that conversation? Why is he telling Joe Person and other pieces of media that he wants to have that raise? He's using that as what we were saying before we started the podcast. That's where his leverage comes into play. Because if he's having that conversation in Marty's office, it goes one way. If he's having it out in the public, we see currently how that conversation's going when Greg gets the entire fan base behind him and they get in his corner and it's, Pay Greg, he deserves it. Is that the right move? So, you know, that and that whole narrative now spins more in his favor because of taking it the direction that he did. Seems to me like a lot of the fan bases with the team on this one, and they are saying a lot of Greg Olson is thirty three. Why I don't want to give him more money if if we gotta be if we have to cut him, then we cut him, and that's that's there's, a lot of what there's I'm some saying. of each, but there's still plenty of uh, you know pom pom waving for Greg, which is fine. I'm a big Greg fan too. I want Greg to be here forever, but it it needs to be done the correct way, and and I don't personally know what that is. Um, I'm sure you guys have better opinions on that, but uh, you know, coming into his last year, what what's the right decision? I mean, if if not for the CV job, he's a guy coming off a year where he didn't play, asking for more money. Isn't that the? Is he asking for more money, or is he just asking for oh, more years? No, no. That's okay, what, he didn't now, that's say. I want to raise. Part. That's actually a very important part because Greg Olson and, and he is he wants to be seen as a community leader. I mean, they get the hardest yard five K going on with Show Mars. I know that's coming up. You know his his charity work. He wants to be seen as someone that is a community leader, and part of that is integrity. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe. And he when he says he wants to be a a, a, a panther for maybe as much as five years. No, that's I don't. I do not believe. I, I would take. I would take that wager that Greg Olson won't be here in five years. But he. But what he wants is a deal that maybe needs to be structured as five years, so that it works. And we know that. I mean, we we know what that can mean. But that's not being honest in this, and that's why it's that's why it's a little bit troublesome, or not troublesome, but it's a little bit odd when, hey, the the team's coming out and saying, you know, tweeting out when you're not committed to football and showing Greg working out, which uh, the Redskins weren't doing that for a franchise quarterback and Kirk Cousins, but you know you're going to do it for a tight end, and I know it's a different situation, but I don't think that's a battle that that Panther social media needs to be getting involved in, especially not when we're talking about a contract extension. But I I look at Olsen, and I think, I think this is a little bit— Don't you think that that—I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but don't you think that that particular post that we're talking about, the Greg Olsen lifting weights and saying yeah. he's not committed to football— Which that's they, not didn't show any, at, they didn't show not any a, of him playing football. It's not so. a shot at the organization. It's more of a shot at the specific media member who said that he was Absolutely, right? but that's—but th- to me, that they're above that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think this—I don't think that tweet— has any place coming from organization in so much that it is suggesting contract negotiations or it is i mean there there's a much bigger picture that they are they're jumping into that i think just muddies the water and i just want to see i want to see if if this organization and this this group of, of men these leaders that have been men of the year candidates integrity is a part of that and if it's not then then it's then, then what are we doing? Then then this organ then that part of the organization is not true, and that's why when all of a sudden Olson comes out and says I want to make, play more five years, that's not true. He wants to make more money while he's continuing to play football. Yeah, and, I, I agree with that, and that's fine. But don't say you want to be here for five more years. That's not true. I yeah no I I I thought that he said but three to five more years, but he may have said five years. I'm I'm not 100. Yeah, he said no. He said but my point being. 
I, I thought we were thinking that he was going to be wrapping things up. It was, I mean, before this, because there was a small firestorm a couple months ago, you know, when, when we thought he was going to be retired. Right. Uh, or the, that the first time sure. when yeah, the, yeah. you know. And it was like, okay, he's, he's going to wrap this deal up and then he's going to move on and that's what he wants to do. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, the, you know what? Again, getting, he's getting paid top 10 tight end money at 33 years of age. And he's earned that. He, he has shown that he can perform that way on the field, but he didn't last year. And now he's asking for more money, and that's why he needed the leverage of the TV deal. It stinks. I like Olsen. This team is better with Olsen. He has been a great Panther. He's been a good member of the community. He has done things in, in this community. So you're saying but, that. But when we start talking about money, and all of a sudden we're supposed to jump on the loyalty bus because he's a captain here or whatever, that to me, that's not what this is about. The, the loyalty is to whatever team gets fielded at Bank of America Stadium winning. That's the loyalty that fans care about. And, and when everybody else, everybody at the veterans are all sitting there going, hey, but but me though. Hey, but me though. And, and that's not is that is that the recipe for what for, for how teams win? Haven't this hasn't this team already proven that being loyal to players longer than they should is a recipe for disaster? You could say that that's how Marty Herney got fired the first time. Right. Yeah. I I, I mean I'm not arguing with you. My my thing is that I think we are we are putting a lot of words into Greg Olson's mouth. And I also think that what we're doing is we're saying, so what you're telling me is that he did the color commentator while he had a broken foot, while he was on IR with the Minnesota Vikings in the thoughts that, okay, next year is my last year of my contract. I'm going to make them think that I can go and get a broadcast job. And then also what I'm going to do is I'm going to, if a spot opens up in the Monday Night Football booth, I'm going to audition for that. And then I'm going to use all that as leverage. I think he was invited to do this. I think he was invited to audition for Monday Night Football. He went to his boss and said, hey, guys, just FYI, they invited me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be here next year. Like This will not change the way that I'm going to play. Playing is my first responsibility. And they said, okay, that's fine. He went out and did that. Then now he's in an interview and is asked, would you like to have a contract extension? He says, yes, my preference that is his that that is the word that he used my preference is to get an extension and end my career as a carolina panther and the reaction to that is you're holding the team hostage you're using the monday night football thing as leverage you need more money you're being greedy it's i think it's just all if this if if he were to say now if in two months he's like hey fyi i'm not coming to camp unless i get an extension that's a different story no, now I, I nobody here has said that he's holding him hostage, and the, and the idea that that is being said or that it is being said, that's not accurate. He is a, but he is a guy that's looking to maximize his earnings. Yeah, that's fine. So are that's we fine. all? Why? No, why no, can't no, he look no. out for number one? Why can't he look out for himself? No, just no, because no, he's but, a football player, he has to look out for the team. No, no, absolutely not. But does does his play warrant this? But it's that's up to play. the team to decide, not sure, to him. Sure, but that doesn't mean that the fans and that the organization. Who? Which, by the way, what is Carolina Panthers social media supposed to represent? That that's that's I an mean, interesting question. Because in to me, the, 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 they're showing loyalty to a player over loyalty to the fans. Because again, we have the Ryan Khalil situation. We know that there's money out there that they could have probably gotten back, or they could have moved on. They could have done something with that. They didn't do it. And now we have another captain, which I'm going to keep in, 
I'm pointing this out, that these are the captains of this organization that are looking out for themselves, that are proud to wear that C on their chest, but when it comes time, it's all about me. And if Greg Olson has the relationship that we think he does with Jerry Richardson and with this organization, why does it need to be public? Who benefits from this being public? Um, Whoever wrote the story that asked him the question about it. <laughs> but he doesn't have to answer that question. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't need. Don't a lot don't, of players they don't just bend over. We don't bend over backwards to answer all these questions. So all of a sudden, when these guys do answer a question honestly, we say, "Hey, he answered a question." We just we, we know that you can do coach speak. You can do player speak. You could have done that just fine, and then rolled into camp and been like, "Guess what? Greg Olson's got himself a new three year deal that's worth this." But that's not what happened, and th- there's a reason for it. There's always a reason for it. And I think Greg likes to have it both ways sometimes. Greg wants to be the community leader. He wants to be you know, you know, in, involved. He wants to be the Walter Payton man of the year. I, I mean, I'm not saying like, he wants to put himself in that class. But then if you want to be the cutthroat businessman and looking to make sure you're making every dime, that doesn't always fit into the same bucket. And it's, a, it's tough to, to work both sides. And I think right now Olsen's trying to do that, and I think some of the blowback he's gotten is because people do look up to him as a captain, as the Walter you know, Peyton Man of the Year finalist. And now it's like, hey, by the way, really what I'm here for is, is to get mine. And that's what it feels like to fans. So what, what happens? Is he going to get this uh, get the contract before the season Marty starts? Marty Herney said so. Marty Herney said so. Oh, I and, missed that. And, and it, well, they said we're going to we're – gonna, try and get this done or however it was it was intimated that it's going to get done i, so I just it, so if it comes out tomorrow that greg olson is is has signed a two-year 13 million dollar extension so 26 million dollars no 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 two-year 13 million dollars uh maybe not thir- 13 million dollars 11 guaranteed are you mad about that are you sad about that I don't he think, makes seven I don't and think, a half this year i don't think he's signing that deal Okay, but I'm asking you yeah. if you, if that's what he signs. So you're basically giving him three and a half more million, three and a half million more for, for an extra years. year. No, no, but, but that's if, also not what he said because he said he wanted to play for three to five years. Well, which, but what which, if, I'm that that says that I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm just off the deep end. I just don't think Greg Olson sees himself playing for in the NFL in thirty at thirty eight years old. I, I don't. Good lord, I'm thirty. Six? How old am I? That's how you know you're old when you're like, I'm 30. Uh, how old am I? I was born in 1981, so I'm 36. The so wait, wait. So let's say Greg Olson is gonna be Monday Night Football next year, okay? Which well, he's not. He's okay, but whatever. Well, but not no, next but, year, but 2019. Okay, but here's here's. Can I can I tell you why why do we need to do this publicly? It's because the team's for sale. This needs to get done. This deal doesn't because if Jerry Richardson is the guy that's deciding these things, and he is, in my opinion, then he, he's gonna be out the building by training camp potentially. And again, I go back to nobody's gonna pay Greg Olson what Jerry Richardson is gonna be willing to pay Greg Olson. And so now that creates a sense of urgency. And that is part of why this leverage play is real in my mind. Because if this was just any other year, if they weren't worried about the fact that the guy that doles out these contracts to the vets was going to be not no longer in the building, if they weren't worried about that, as they haven't been for years, this isn't getting done in public. 
just as it hasn't been done in public for years with this organization. It's only when all of a sudden Jerry's time was nigh that the sense of urgency came about from these 30-plus-year-old captains. Well, so like I was trying to say to move our uh, program along while we argue about hearsay and whether or not something hypothetically might happen. No, I don't think... Do we? Do you really think it's hearsay that Jerry Richardson is the decision maker? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. No, 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 not okay. at all. No, no, okay. no. I'm, I'm just being sarcastic and a jerk for no reason. No, oh, you're fine. No, no, no. It's, it, it, I'm sorry. I, I sense some hurt coming across the table, and I apologize to you. And I do not apologize to Zach. How do you like that? <laughs> uh, if Greg Olson's going to leave, right, the Panthers need to find a new tight end in the 2018 draft because I don't think Chris Manhurts is going to cut it as the as the guy, right? Agreed. So do you think that they need to draft a tight end with either either pick 24 or pick 55 in order to get the next tight end for the Carolina Panthers? And if so, who is that tight end? Zach, you're up. Go. <laughs> I caught him leaning back. Like, I saw him leaning back <laughs> and, There's like, no starting to yawn. To oh, and I was, I was like, I was resting. go. I was going to put my feet up on the desk, actually. Uh, yeah, I think the Panthers, from what we've seen, are definitely interested in a tight end this year. Um, and as you'll see coming out here very soon in my mock draft, I have them picking one. In, what? In Spoilers. The, in the first round, actually. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a priority of, of theirs, no matter you know, what happens with the Greg Olson situation. I mean, they, they've always played with two tight ends, even though Ed Dixon's role seems to be or has been more of a, a blocking tight end. Um, you know, Chris Manhurts definitely isn't fitting the bill. So they've shown a lot of interest in, in Harrison Hurst, and I wouldn't hey, be surprised. Hey, yeah, him. I'm less interested, obviously, than, uh, than they are. But uh, <laughs> I could see them pulling the trigger on, the, on him in the first round. Has, has a – player that developed the yips in another sport ever been drafted in the NFL? And I, no, I, but I don't Steve, know if that. But Rick and Keel came back and was a decent outfielder for the Cardinals after his yips. Did Russell Westbrook develop the yips before when he was a baseball prospect? These are the only baseball prospects that I know that turned into football players. Yeah, I, that's it's just fascinating. I don't know what you do with that, but. You don't draft him at 24. That's what you do. No. Okay. You do yeah, not draft a guy that, like that with your first round pick when you absolutely need to nail this pick because you have holes in your roster all across it. Like, <laughs> like you just got hit by the iceberg and you're the damn Titanic and you are throwing a 25-year-old tight end at that problem. I would be very disappointed if they selected Hayden Hurst with their 24th pick. Or but if they do, I would love to talk to him. Harrison Hurst is a sleeper, though. Yeah, yeah. Harrison, Harrison Hurst is. A I like big him guy. better than Hayden Hurst. Yeah, just like Go Gono the in the seventh round. You love Gono. Well, well, okay. Since we're talking about the draft, the, the, the tight end piece, you're about to have more holes. Well, apparently Greg's going to stay here forever now. But we thought you're going to have even more holes going forward with legends for this team leaving after this following year. Yeah, dude. And in 2019, three captains will be will have retired, and that's not including Greg Olson if he decides to leave. Does that that's, include Julius Peppers? That's four. <laughs> yes, that does include Julius Peppers, who is older than me no matter what age I am. That's true. That is true. Every <laughs> day of his life he is. Yeah. That's why this – what we're talking about here, though, is why I have been hesitant about the wide receiver thing, to be honest, that there are so many holes that this idea of locking in and being like, well, we're getting a weapon at one – 
if you like the guy, great. But if your dude that you like is gone, the if you're gonna force a weapon, that's a that that's that's a recipe for trouble. It's like when you I don't know need a defensive end and then trade a pick so that you can draft one in the second round. And, you know. uh, that sounds like a specific story that you're very sad about. The thing is, is that I think, uh, and I have said it uh, a couple times already. I think the answer is trading down if they can. I, and I know it's a lot easier said than done. It's a, t- it's a lot easier to be like, I hope they trade down to 29 and then pick up the 34th pick and then 2019 first. Like, it's just not going to yeah. happen. But I, if if the opportunity presents itself to, dr- to trade back to, I don't know, th- 35, 36, and pick up an extra pick in the third round, there's a lot of talent in this top 100, top 140 players. And the Panthers have... They need to get impact players with their first four picks. Oof. Four. They need Yikes. to go four, four, four. Foe, foe, foe. That sounds like right in uh, Herney's wheelhouse, right? Yeah, absolutely. He always nails them all. Uh, <laughs> Wait, well, they're just going to tell him that they're all first-round picks. That's what they're doing. There you go. No, uh, the thing like is, that, is that they they really do need to, they need to nail, they have to absolutely nail 24 Here's my ideal draft. You ready? Do you want to hear it? I'm excited for it. I want to say it. Is okay. this a spoiler? No, it's not even my mock. Okay. It's different than my mock draft. <laughs> mock draft. This is his dream draft. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with the mock draft. This is the dream draft. Okay. Saquon Barkley at 24. <laughs> Bradley Chubb at 55. <laughs> what if Baker Mayfield sitting there at 24 and they're able <laughs> Justin Reed at 85. Um, I think that they can get a cornerback. I think they can get Josh Jackson at 24. I think they can get Jesse Bates at 55. I think they can get... Two defensive guys. Yeah, two defensive guys. Why are we trying to plug all of these offensive holes? Can it, Can I just ask you? As like, opposed to what? As opposed to the huge gaping holes that we have on defense. I'm with you a thousand percent. I mean, that's we have a standing bet about them taking a wide receiver in this draft. Why did they, why, why did they sign... Why did they trade for and sign three... Wide receivers. Did they signed three, or did they make two? two? They kept. They kept Shepard, right? That we all. Yeah, yeah. So as that counts now. as one. Yeah. So why did they bring in two wide receivers from the outside if their plan is to just draft a wide receiver at one? Well, and I, so this is where I get confused because we everybody loves Demir Bird. <laughs> yeah. We love Demir Bird. Hey, can we count on Demir? This Bird? is why we Hell need video. No. This is why we need Hell video. No. <laughs> hey, sorry, Mister. Yeah, some guy walking by is now. He almost fell in the street. It's <laughs> Colin's reaction here. Like, Colin's like wait, having the vapors. Like, we we love these guys. We love him. He's great. He's a part of the team. Can we count him? No. <laughs> like, what? So what are we doing here? We, we're we going to get two good games out of him like this a year. Youth camp you? and then an NFL team at the same time. We just like we like the youngsters, but can we count on them? No. I, they have a pool of wide receivers that I think should be good enough. Oof. They're the same. They're they're the same. Level of good as 2015 wide receivers, and that's How, not good that? enough though. That was good. That was good enough that good enough to win Cam the MVP and send him to the Super Bowl. But those are those wide receivers are not good enough. Okay, but the defense isn't good enough now. The exactly. defense is much, 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 totally right. much, so much, much. The worst much, defense in the league the second half of the season worse. by a huge margin. Yeah, by a huge margin, they allowed 275 yards a game passing over the last eight games. That would have been the lowest in the league by 15 yards. That is insane how bad they were at defending the pass last year. And now, right now, they're starting Colin Jones at safety. That's not a recipe to get better. 
Never underestimate a good column. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that one coming. Yeah, but no, that was that got me. Uh, that is a terrible, terrible joke, and I'm glad that you made it. The thing is, is that they're 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 worse on defense now than they were last year. Why did why did they why do we get to this point where it's like they have to take a wide receiver in round one because they brought in North Turner? Is this the reason you to not fire Shula all these years? Is because we immediately have to. Hi- you know, pick wide receivers. Wide receiver is, is a depressed position. If you're not getting a dude, you can get guys. Oh, I love that. So there's the quote. There's the pull quote for the. Well, that's the name of the episode. If you're not getting a dude, <laughs> you can get guys. You can though. Co- I agree. The way college football is played now, there are wide receivers everywhere. There are wide receivers regularly that either make it or don't make it from from all rounds of the draft. Mac Holland was an undrafted free agent that just happened to, you know, play pretty well for the Super Bowl champs last year. Sure. Like the, so if you're if you can get a guy, if you can I'll, I'll use Des Bryant to, if you could get a Des Bryant, if you could get one of those guys in the first round, who's wait, he's a dude, not a guy. He is a dude. Okay, you just called him a guy. Okay. Yeah. He's a dude. You get a dude I, like I, did, I confused it. I'm confusing yeah. this. I can see how this is going to get worse. <laughs> The point being, a dude is a difference maker. A difference maker and dude start with D. That's how you remember them. <laughs> Guy, you can find guys off the street. So is there a dude in this draft? Is Look, there a dude on the Panthers roster right now? No. Is there a dude in the wide receiver room right now? No. Right? No, no not at all. Funch? Well, I don't know. Because, again, I think, doesn't everybody love Funches? But we love Funches. Is he a high-end number two? Because if he's a high-end number two, isn't that what Cameron Ridley is? But hold on. It, where, where are you getting this? This whole they have to draft a wide receiver narrative though. Where's that coming from? Is it, you're hearing that? Is that well I mean that seemed I mean, am I am I crazy? It was it was this? heading that way for a while. I think now we're on the weird we're on this weird corner. Yeah, now train. it's been the yeah, it's the corner train the last three days, four okay. days. Okay. Well I, <laughs> and I, then I, and then for the next four days it's gonna be the tight end train. Then for the two days right before the draft, it's gonna be like the Panthers are gonna draft a running back <laughs> with their twenty fourth pick in the NFL draft. They had they had Rashad Penny in for a visit. But I it so seemed, Frank now, right okay, now I'm is not flying saying up it, the boards. It, it, seemed, it seems to me that the vast majority of Panther fans that I see have wide receivers circled as the top need. Like that, the, the assumption is, if more, if Ridley, then then that's where they're going. If I, those guys are, on I the board. unfortunately agree with you that that's but, what they're thinking, but I don't agree okay, with that, that with that line of thinking. But the, so then that's where I've gotten this line of thinking that, right. that, that that's what we think they're going to do. And again, okay, if, pe- if nobody wants to define what Funchess is, and if he's a solid high end number two, isn't that exactly what Ridley is being described as? And isn't redundancy at wide receiver the experiment we just got done with? Here's the reason why I think they might want to draft a weapon in the first round. His name is Cameron Newton, and his he's going to be 30 years old, and his contract is going to be up in a couple years. And you want to be able to go to Cam and say, "Hey, man, listen, I know we didn't win the Super Bowl. We're you know we got a little, we got knocked out in the first round by the Saints for the third year in a row. I get it. You're frustrated, but look what we did. We went out. We got you a first round wide receiver. We drafted a first round running back. We uh, we keep adding." Uh, we tried to sign a left a franchise left tackle for you. We're we're making moves to try and put weapons on this offense. And if that's the reason why, then I that I kind of understand. The idea that we don't have any wide receivers and we're gonna find one when we sign DJ Moore, I don't I don't know if that's true. For me. Yeah. I, I I think he's gonna be a good wide receiver. I do. But I don't I think there are other positions of need. 
for the Panthers. And and I think more likely the the best player available at 24 is not going to be a wide receiver. And so this is why I picked Hurst in my draft. Oh, spoilers. Again, mm. disclaimer, no one's, no one's I'm not a fan of this now. guy. It's uh, out. That is out that is out there as much as Dallas week 1 is out there right now, okay? Oh! Hey. So listen. When the Panthers pick at 24, those wide receivers are going to be off the they're going to be they're going to be drafted. They're going to be gone, right? So they're not going to reach for a wide receiver. They're not going to reach for a guy in the first round, if one of the two guys that I think that they think might be dudes, Moore and Ridley, are gone, so what they're going to do is they are going to add that weapon for Cam, and they're going to add it at the tight end position, and they're going to add it because it does a few things. It gives Cam that weapon. It gives him that second tight end. It gives him that Greg Olson heir apparent, right? And, and, and it helps them with those negotiations with Greg as well. And that's going to be a reach too at 24. So I, I don't, I think they're going to pick a tight end. I think they're going to add a weapon and I don't think it's going to be the best value at, at pick 24, but I think it accomplishes all those things that are going to be important to him. Did you guys read the article that said Hayden Hurst wants to play five more years? He's going to, he's going to, he wants to blast for five more and then he's going to Monday night football. He's got at least four years. In and him. then Harrison Hurst is going to kill it. I almost cursed. Wait. I don't know if I, I don't know if I did. Wait, which, which one's which now? I'm confused. I'm not sure. Well, uh, one of them is... We like uh, Harrison better. Yeah, he doesn't of, have the years. One of them is the, is the dancer dude, on guy, Dancing like, with the Stars. Okay. Yeah, he's a dude, not a guy. Um, I think that... So it sounds to me like Hayden Hurst is the guy that you don't want them to draft in the first round. Colin, do you have a guy that you will be upset if they the Panthers draft because you think that he's going to not live up that 24th pick? Well, the the... The common name I would say is, is Justin Reed, and oh, not because ooh, I not because I dislike Shocker. him. I did not see that coming. I, I, not because I dislike him. Like if you tell me you get him at fifty five, thumbs up. What if I tell you in that whole trade down situation, that scenario that Josh came up with? What if you get him, you know, at uh, twenty nine, thirty? I don't. I don't think he's a first round value. I don't think he'll be the best player. Um, available uh, available at the time, and and Marty has said that, and that's is he the better thing. than Colin Jones. Okay, is he better than C. Jones? I don't, I'm gonna leave Colin out. Is he better than C. Jones? <laughs> C. Dot Jones, you must try yes, harder. The, he is better than the guy the Panthers traded a seventh round pick for. Yes, he is better than that guy. Um, By the way, that was a uh, terrific trade. It was Colin, a tremendous value. Say what you want about Colin Jones, he has been he has outlived that trade. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, just read and you know I, I got questioned about whether or not. It, you know, his brother and his, you know, being vocal in San Francisco is, would be a reason to not draft him, and not at all. And I do think, and, and this is this is unfair, and you'd have to talk to the young man, and we don't have that luxury. Um, I'm going to be really concerned that his brother had three concussions in two years and went from a tackling machine to a guy that tackled about half as often. Yeah, I don't know if you I, can say concussions run in the family. No, no, no. That And that's it, true. I'm glad you said that. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean by that is seeing the effects of concussions. I mean, if concussion, like we're taking concussion seriously, your brother was a tackling machine, came to the next level, and went from averaging 100 tackles a season to 50 to 60 to, after these concussions. That is a difference in player, and that, and I, and in this, in this type of environment where there can be no fear, you can't hesitate, you can't, you know, all those things. I would just want to, I would want to have a conversation with them about that, and and just kind of feel them out on that because I, I would have to imagine that it's possibly has some complicated feelings about that and again I don't think he's the player I don't think he's got a set position 
uh, in the defensive backfield. I mean, obviously you could pick one and just roll with it, but I think he he's one of those more versatile guys, and sometimes that ends up meaning that you're not great at a lot of things. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I think that he does play the game at a very high intelligence level. One of the things that I saw on tape, and uh, Vincent Richardson wrote a great breakdown of his tape um, on therightreport.com. That's therightreport.com. Um, it's uh, he he takes plays off. It seemed like he either he had mental lapses. Tell me to read still. Yeah, still read. I don't know whether it was. I, and that 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 is. I take that back or rewind the tape. He sometimes seemed to have mental lapses that for four for five plays in a row he would play great, and then all of a sudden it would be he would be in the wrong spot or he would just kind of miss a tackle or he would take the wrong angle on somebody, and it was like what? that's not the same player. Which is interesting because and, one of the the um, you know compliments to him is that his intelligence. He's a really uh-huh. smart guy. He does he's a Stanford guy. You heard him. You heard him speak at the uh, combine, and I mean, he's super intelligent. Yeah, he he seems like a very smart guy. Seems like he understands the game, which is was which was why it's troubling to see that on tape. And that isn't something you know when they when when they have these top thirty visits in the Bank of America Stadium. I'm pointing, but you can't see that if you're listening <laughs> on your. Uh, Zunes. Um, <laughs> uh, but they have these top 30 visits. This is what they're trying to figure out. They're trying to look at the tape and then say, why, what happened on this play? Tell me what is going to happen. Diagnose this play for me and tell me why you took this angle, why you were in this spot. And if the answer is satisfactory to them, then kind of that washes those mistakes away. We don't get to do that. Exactly. And, and so you, you listen to what different people say. Daniel Jeremiah, who's a, a guy that I really respect and think, you know, I, I know he does the work. He, the word he mentioned, and this is this is scary if you're thinking about taking a, a safety in the first round. He mentioned toughness as the question for yeah, Reed. That's not good. That is not good if you're talking about a safety in the first round. At least not in my book. Maybe in some other people's books. Oh, do you think somebody in somebody's book, it's like the word toughness is like crossed <laughs> out, like not necessary in a safety. Not for me. Thanks, but no thanks. Here's my guy. Okay. Hayden Hurst, Justin Reed, uh, Jerry Alexander is a cornerback that that has been running up the draft boards. Right, I mean, he's, he's like making this move. He's a cornerback from Louisville, and the thing that everybody has talked about with Alexander is his last three games of his career were his best three games. He had a, he had a kind of an injury plagued junior season. By the way, he played had an injury plagued junior season, and then decided to stay, and then decided to forego his senior year and go to the NFL. And his last three games were against Syracuse, Kentucky without Anthony Miller, and Virginia. They have good wide receivers on those three teams? I have an answer for you. They don't. And so he shut <laughs> Is down. Is Randall Cobb still there? <laughs> yeah. So he shut down the vaunted Kentucky offense or the vaunted Kentucky wide receiving core without their best receiver. And it's like, this is the guy that we're supposed to draft at 24 that's going to revamp. He's going to end up behind Kevon Seymour on the diff chart. <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree with you. You know, uh, on that one, it's always sketchy because it's like it feels almost like when when basketball teams take somebody after they have a good tournament. I mean, not yeah. that not that there's an organization around here. That's <laughs> <ever done that>. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost see that building from here. By the way, <laughs> Tar Heels. Um, I think that. Um, sorry, was oh, that not did, appropriate? Did, 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 I don't think Josh got the basketball reference. No. Just as, note to self, don't use basketball references. No, like you that. guys, I'm saying that they like to draft the Tar Heels. Like, so oh, that, oh, I got you. 
Like, because if you think that I didn't have a Sean May Bobby's yeah, jersey, well. I did, baby. Somewhere <laughs> still in my closet. Any cigarette burns on this? <laughs> <laughs> so many. So many and so many beer stains. I used to um, always see him walking like down trade and try on with four or five girls like chasing him and nice. going bar hopping. Good for him. Once I saw Sean May on the campus at Carolina driving a brand new Lincoln Navigator and he jumped up in the air. You again won't be able to see this. Jumped up in the air and kind of curled his lip, his arm to do the like boop boop. Like he did a little sky hook towards the Navigator. <laughs> Viper, boop, boop, stand back. It. Yeah, Armed. it was. And I was like, oh, Sean May's the coolest, you guys. I hope that the Bobcats reach for him and I'm going to buy a jersey in the future. And that navigator it, had nothing to do with any of the allegations that have gone on in Carolina. What? No, they clean, baby. They clean. FM41 <laughs> is hard. Real hard. Um, so that that's what I'm saying. I think that the Panthers can make a mistake at 24. I, I hope they don't. But I think that there is real value at 24. But if that... If it comes out that there is a, a is a possibility to trade down, I think they have to explore that option. I think there 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 are too many holes on this roster. They need to fill a safety, a tight end, a backup quarterback, an out a backup outside linebacker. They need a defensive end. They need uh, a running back for the love of Pete. Like they need so many things for this roster. I, I just can't. I. I can't see how they can make a mistake. I can't get over how dismissive people have been of the defensive end need. And I understand at 24, you maybe you don't think the pick is there. Sweat, you know, a guy like Josh Sweat out of Florida State has had injury concerns. You know, Davenport certainly a projection um, out of San Antonio. I would love Davenport at 24. But is, is pass rush not exactly how they lost the Super Bowl not that long ago? And the only thing that has happened to this pass rush is it's gotten worse. They got peppers. They did get peppers, and that- thank, thank goodness, <laughs> thank you, Julius. That because was- if not, I mean, th- this pass rush is looking uh, abysmal. So, speaking of the pass rush, they brought in Don Saripo to replace Starla Tulule. Charles Johnson is gone. Theoretically, maybe you get some of that production from Deshaun Hall. Um, other than that, I mean, the the defensive line is fairly static. It's just old. So it's gonna get, it's gonna continue to get older. That's how age works, right? I'm smart. Um, so, and same thing with the linebackers. Thomas Davis is gonna retire. David Mayo maybe is gonna be ready. Shaq Thompson's gonna be ready. Who knows? The cornerbacks are, uh, the safeties are. Uh. This defense is worse now than it was in 2017, and in 2017 they were really bad. So, how is Eric Washington, a new defensive coordinator, supposed to come in? and make a difference and elevate this defense. Do you think that you can that he could do that just as a coordinator from from the top down or does he have to have the personnel to make that happen? Do you think do I think he could coach his way out of this? I mean not being disrespectful to him. No, you need more I think they need more talent. Any any defensive coordinator. Look, Steve Wilkes didn't get the Arizona job based on the strength of the 2017 Carolina Panther defense. Okay. So why so he, like he got the job because he well because because he has a career he's got a resume like I'm just saying like the the the, the 27 uh, Carolina Panthers defense wasn't good enough to get somebody a coaching job is what I'm is what I'm trying to say like he got it based on his resume his reputation so now you're bringing in another guy and you've given him a defense that I think Star and Don Terry is is pretty you know I don't know six one half dozen the other to me I mean, uh, I, yeah. 
I agree. Maybe Poe gives you one, two more sacks in a given year. Sure. Okay. Yeah, fine. But I think that's largely a wash. And the Breland thing is going to be a disclaimer that we're going to have to use through this entire season. They yep. really they really caught a bad break on that one. But ultimately, that you know, you still got to figure it out and you still got to go field a team. But this defense wasn't good enough last year to get a guy a promotion. And I don't think it's good enough. You know, this year, as it's, as you said, just continued to get older. I think I mean, technically you're incorrect because it was good enough to get him the permit. He got, he is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. So, but, right. But not because, I mean, you just said, you just talked about the stats in the second half of the season for that ooh, defense. They're so bad. No one looked at those stats and was like, this is the dude. <laughs> this guy. This guy's who we need. Like they looked at Steve Wilkes and said, this guy's been ready. I mean, he's been a guy that's been talked about for, for years. And all, uh, so, my point being, a guy that was viewed as, a head coach caliber already had a defense that wasn't good, and everyone looked at that defense and said, no, no, that's not his fault. They're just not good. We still want him. And now Eric Washington inherits that that unit. Yeah, I, I, I think that Eric Washington – so I think that the Panthers, especially in the back end, the secondary, they were really hurt by that Steve Wilkes scheme. He blitzed so much, and he left those guys – He left. Daryl Worley out on an island. He left James Bradbury out on an island. <laughs> Just, I mean, that's the thing. I'm the, not going to make that joke. It's so easy. No, the, <laughs> the best young defender on the uh, on the team, I'd say Bradbury, guy that people were highest on amongst the youngsters. Right. Using Shaq as kind of a cutoff. Sure. Younger than Shaq. Had regressed last year. I mean, was not as good, to your point. So this defense... It, the best young player didn't get better in that system, and now we're. It seems to me, based on what we hear, that this that Washington's going to be more McDermott, more conservative, more, maybe more Rivera. If that, I don't know, you know. But the, the idea Ron of an analytical Eric is what yeah. you're calling him. <laughs> but the idea of being a of, of not blitzing, not putting those guys on those islands. I, I I literally asked him in the Eric Washington interview, which I encourage you to listen to at the end of this podcast. I just asked him straight up, are you going to blitz as much as Steve Wilkes? And he said that he felt like Steve needed to blitz to add pressure, and he felt like that's maybe not the answer all the time. So I think that was as close to him saying no as he was going to say, because he wasn't going to be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, Definitely no. not. Like, But he he kind of, that that was his reaction, was like, nah, you know, I, I, I respect Steve, but I don't know that, that's, that we're going to do it the same way. I think that that is going to be important, especially if you are going to rely on James Bradbury, Kevon Seymour, Ross Cockrell. If you want to draft a cornerback and throw him into this mix, okay, that's fine. But if you're going to rely on those guys all under the age of 25 to be the the strength, the core of this defense, if it's going to be third-year James Bradbury, rookie corner, rookie safety, and then my age, Mike Adams back there. That's that's not. I, I'm wor- I would be worried. That's why I've been off wide receiver. Not to take it back to that, but that's this is this is the unit that I am concerned about looking to this season more so because I believe in Cam Newton and I believe in Chris McCaffrey. And if Greg Olson comes back and plays three to five more years, I mean that that that's the core of your offense from a weapon standpoint. This- everything else is everything else is a luxury, but that's going to be your core. If those guys are on the field, the defense, however, and, and I want to ask you guys this question. It, it was working. The system was working. 
The McDermott system is working. The McDermott Rivera system is working. This team was in a Super Bowl. Why then did they have such a shift last year? Because they got a new coach. They got a new defensive coordinator. Okay, okay but but they still have the same head coach. To me, like I think I, Ron is a very Ron Rivera is very as a guy that lets his coordinators do their job. I, I think you're right. I think for the betterment of the team, I don't necessarily think that was a good idea, though. I think that that more progression for these young guys playing in this, you know, again, it's it's tough to identify who's, you know, but the Rivera McDermott marriage worked and it worked well. It produced Thieves Avenue, it produced produced a Super Bowl trip, and then it was like, well, we got a new coach and he wants a head coaching job, so we're gonna let him do what he does because reasons. And and I think you're right. Like I don't think Rivera came from it from a from a, a bad standpoint. I think it was I'm gonna trust my dudes to do what they do, but the mission of the team, I think, took a hit for personal gain, which seems to be a recurring trend here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think that Ron Rivera letting his coordinators do their job to to a to a fault, almost. You saw it maybe with, with Mike Shuler for the past five years. Well, And he's well, admitted it, too. He's had, he's had a couple times that, you know, I got to step back in and, you know, at various points when they've been struggling. Yeah, and and they were struggling last year, but they were it was masked a little bit by you know Cam Newton being an alien, and you know the, they won some games they maybe shouldn't have, and it's it's a tough. I mean, I, I'm much more worried about the defense than I am about the offense, but yet all of the focus seems to be that the Panthers need to add weapons on offense, and I don't know where that comes from. It, it comes from not assuming that a running back and a tight end are weapons or a quarterback. I mean, if you it's third down because it, it's third down on this offense. Where and it's third and long. Where's that ball going? Cam's running it. McCaffrey's catching it. Olson's catching it. Those sure. are your top three priorities. So what is the number one receiver coming in and doing? Especially one that you're getting at 24. Especially one that's going to be a rookie. Like, am I supposed to believe that all of a sudden that DJ Moore or Ridley is going to become the guy on third down? No. So if if we don't draft running backs. Because they're only going to be productive on first and second down. Nick Chubb, step right up. Why am I looking to, to draft a position, a la wide receiver, where on third down I know I'm going somewhere else as opposed to going on the defensive side of the ball? I, I if They very well may go offense. I am expecting them to go offense, but the more we have this conversation, the more I'm getting to the point where it's like they need to go defense. You guys can't see it here, but Colin is like slowly turning red like one of those charity fundraiser thermometers like it's kind of it's like slowly going up his face hopefully and at a certain point it'll be like yippee we're building the new west wing uh and it is just a real treat to watch if you want to find out who the next carolina panthers star is going to be whether it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball whether it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball maybe you'd like to join me and zach and Colin next Thursday at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill for the Roaring Riot official draft party. That's Dilworth Neighborhood Grill, 911 East Moorhead Street. Uh, it's going to be super fun. Um, we're going to be there. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be drinking some beers. They're going to have beer specials. They have beer buckets on special for us, which mm. I was told uh, Zach is going to drink an entire bucket. And no, then I'm going to drink the out of the bucket. Oh, yeah. I was confused. Yep. Um, we're going to be giving away some great stuff there uh, from our friends at Pro Image. 
We're going to be giving away some of those super cool draft day hats that everybody seems to love on Twitter that I've been reading a lot of good stuff about. Uh, we're going to be... Two girls, one state? Is that yep. what it is? <laughs> going to be giving away a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, we're also going to be giving away a... Uh, we're going to be having a contest where everyone's going to guess who the Panthers are going to draft at 24. Ooh. And if you're fun. correct, we're going to then draw somebody who is correct and give away an authentic Panthers jersey of that 24th pick. Ooh, so, someone's going to have a Harrison Hurst jersey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to make a read it and weep t-shirt or a g- give me more. Or, or Harrison Hurst <laughs> with the thumbs down. <laughs> or Double Hayden. H. <laughs> They call him the game. Um, that is a terrific wrestling joke that, eh, terrific is probably a little strong, but uh, we're glad that you guys listened. Stick around right after this terrific closing theme is going to be an Eric Washington interview, new defensive coordinator. Uh, he was very open, had a lot of stuff to say. Colin's going to, uh, Colin, you have anything to plug that you'd like to talk about? No. <laughs> oh, nothing <laughs> no. going on. No, no. Join us next week for the draft. If you feel like maybe we're incorrect. Let us know on Twitter. I know Zach would love to see it. He's at Roaring Riot Z. Colin is at Colin CLT. That's CLT. That stands for Cumulative Lover of Technology. Right? Yeah, that's it. And my name on Twitter is Josh Klein Rules. You can follow the Riot Report. What does rules mean exactly? I rule. Uh, (laughs) You can follow the Riot Report at at our Riot Report. And that is all for us. We love you guys. Toodaloo. Don't draft Hayden Hurst. Don't draft Hayden Hurst. Or Harrison. Or Hayden. Coach, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time to speak with us. I know this is a busy week for you. Hey, uh, so with the OTAs starting this week, I know that we got a chance to peek at the first meeting that uh, that you get to lead as defensive coordinator. What was How that like? That? Oh, Panthers.com. Have they got the eyes and ears <laughs> everywhere? Okay, go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. What was it like uh, for that first meeting? Oh, it was exciting, and um, I, I've been preparing for that. Uh, since the the day that I was uh, promoted and um, I wanted to make sure that we crafted uh, the kind of message, the kind of concise message that, 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 that set the tone for what we wanted our off season to be about and what we wanted our approach for the season to be about in terms of establishing who we are. So it went, it went extremely well. You said you've been preparing for that since you, since you got that promotion you know what's the what's the difference between being a position coach and being a defensive coordinator? Just more moving parts. There 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 are more staff members that you're responsible for, more players that you're responsible for, and 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 just making sure all of those things are coordinated and they're operating the way that, that they that they should in the most efficient way possible. And so uh, there's just a lot more moving parts you can- and that you have to manage and organize. You've been working with Ron now for uh, for six years uh, since here in Seven Carolina. Seven years. This is my eighth year with Coach Rivera. Sorry, eighth year. And then uh, even before that, when you were an intern. That's correct. Uh, what's the difference between 2005 Ron Rivera and 2018 Ron Rivera? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, he has a lot more experiences. 
I mean, the uh, coach has been to a couple of Super Bowls as, 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 as an assistant coach. He's been to a Super Bowl as a head coach. And so he's got more experiences, more things that he can relate and communicate to me as I move into a different role uh, based on things that, that, that he learned and gained from uh, similar circumstances. So he, that's the biggest difference. You're being very gracious. No, no gray hair, no extra pounds, no nothing like that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, it mostly, primarily the difference is just what he can communicate and, and, uh, and relate to us as, as a team and as coaches just to value that information. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got to work with two great defensive coordinators uh, over the past few years, Steve Wilkes, Sean McDermott. Um, what did you learn from those guys, and, and what do you take from them uh, in their personalities into your new role? Well, the, 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 the thing that was pretty uh, consistent between the two guys was, number one, um, they Sean and Steve both set the tone for us to be a collaborative staff. They saw the value in making sure that, first of all, uh, we utilized every resource we could within our group to put forth the best plan for the players on a daily basis. And so that was one thing that was that really that really uh, was consistent between the two guys. Uh, 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 Steve was a very passionate communicator and really invested a lot in making sure that he provided context for everything that we did, and he related it to uh, uh, human development as well as professional development. And so that was something that really stood out to me about Steve. But uh, both guys were really open. They encouraged uh, uh, development within the position, within the coaching staff, and, and we were, in turn, able to go down and make sure that our guys were growing as players. And, uh, and Steve was pretty aggressive from a, from a blitz standpoint, at the very least, to say the least. Um, do you think you're going to follow in his footsteps from a blitz standpoint? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, every every situation is different. You know, we, you know, Steve saw the need to pressure based on how he saw the game, how he managed the game, and and whatever circumstances we found ourselves in uh, at that particular time. Uh, we'll, 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 at the end of the day, what you want to accomplish is you want to be able to have, you want to be able to get off the field on third down. You want to create negative plays, and and sometimes pressure will help that, and sometimes it's a basic. Uh, configuration of your defense will will uh, will get that job done. So we'll just have to wait to see, and 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 we'll be prepared to do both very efficiently. When you talk about the the base configuration of your defense, uh, there was a a fair amount of man coverage used last year um, versus zone a little bit longer or further back. Do you think that uh, do you you like man or zone better in the secondary? Obviously, you don't want to be too open and honest, but... Yeah, I think there's a place for both concepts. I really do. I think the thing that you... I believe the thing that you that, that you want to be able to do is, is is execute different coverage concepts when you when you want to. And, and that certainly uh, presents... could present a problem for an offense. If, if they know exactly what you're playing all of the time, that makes things easier for them. And so you want to you want to be versatile. You want to be able to execute different concepts, and and so there's a place for both. Quite honestly, zone and man, there's definitely a place in our system for both. Do you, um, from a secondary standpoint, 
Obviously, Daryl Worley is no longer with the team, and you guys picked up uh, Ross Cockrell in free agency. Is he? Do you expect him to be the the number two corner to be the starting corner uh, opposite James Bradbury? I certainly hope that 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 you know, and I, and I anticipate that that the, everybody that we have in our depth right now will will, will compete for a significant role. Who starts and and all those kinds of things. You know, th- those things will work themselves out. We we've got a, a we've got really good depth at that at the right corner position. We feel excited about the additions and, and the guys that that have been here that are, are that some of the guys that are uh, fairly young in their careers. I mean, Corn Elder. Uh, uh, so we we've got a good group of guys that'll be competing to 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 be factors on Sunday, and we'll see exactly how that plays out. But I'm excited about everybody. You mentioned Corn. What do you expect from him in uh, in ba- what's basically going to be his rookie year this year? Right, right. Well, I mean, what we expect is number one. We'll we'll get some benefit uh, from Corn having been here for a season, even if he wasn't able to physically practice and compete in the games. He was, you know, here listening to our secondary coaches teach and install our defensive system. He was able to listen and see and be exposed to. The fundamentals of the position, so we'll 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 get some residual from that. We'll get some benefit from that. But at the same time, the things that, that motivated us to draft him—the quickness, the speed, uh, the ability to play tight coverage, and, and to and to play from an off position, the ball skills—and Corn's a willing tackler when he's at the point of attack. So he he brings a lot to the table, and we've just got to grow and develop him, and 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 combine that with some good on the grass experiences. And 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 that should you know that's what we're looking for. Do you expect him to compete at inside and outside corner, or mostly inside? I certainly hope so. You know, we kind of look at all of our corners, and we we kind of look and and envision or imagine them being playing inside, being able to play inside in the slot with the speed and the short area quickness, and also giving you the ability to play outside. So. Uh, uh, I'm hoping that that corn uh, is in that same mode, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do so? You've also brought in a guy like Denoris Searcy um, to effectively replace Kurt Coleman on the roster. In your defense, what do you expect to see, or what do you like to see out of safeties? Well, just we we want guys that number one um, are strong and run support. Uh, especially when you are in an eight-man front, guys that are that understand how to fit the run, uh, being a box player, and then at the same time when they are uh, playing a, in a post-type position, that they have that they understand uh, how to how to uh, recognize and, and react to route concepts, and to and to be that patrolling force in the middle of the field and make plays on the ball. Great ball production, and so it, it's kind of a it's it, it's a it's a it's a two-sided coin it's a two-sided proposition if you will they got to be great in run support and they also have to have the ball skills to play when they're in the post um is is that something that you're looking for from a uh from a secondary standpoint in guys that in next week's draft as well absolutely uh uh same thing i mean just guys that have the first of all that have the traits and, and the high-end traits that you look for, the instincts, all of those things, and, and guys that can that can, that can commute, great communicators. We need guys in the secondary because of all of the moving parts and the adjustments that need to happen based on formations. Guys are the good communicators, 
and that can get everybody lined up and, and, and so that we're playing all playing one defense. So absolutely we're looking for the same thing in the uh, in the guys in this year's draft. Do you think there are you seeing anybody in the draft uh, that you think could come in and start right away for for your defense? Well, you just—I mean—that—that's—that's that's hard to say. You—you uh, uh, you, first of all, you just want to make sure that guys fit our system, that they have the traits and the skills, and then best case scenario, they grow and develop rapidly and quickly. And if you. Um, if you invest a draft pick in any player, you'd like to envision that, that person contributing for you on Sunday, whether it's in, in a starter's role or in a rotational role or, or, or whatever. You want to be able to, 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 to realize a benefit from having selected that player. So that's that's best-case scenario, and that's what we're looking forward to. And I think there are a number of players out there that, that could fit into that. Um, I, with Thomas Davis's uh, suspension that, that came out uh, last week, um, do you? How do you envision replacing a player like that for the first quarter of the season? Uh, last season was a, a fair amount of Colin Jones. Do you think it's Shaq's time or, or a little bit more nickel? What? What? I, obviously, maybe too early to plan. But how do you envision making that move? Well, just what, what, the next linebacker will step up has to step up you know and attrition is is is, is sometimes unfortunately a, a natural part of of why players are available and why they aren't available and so the next player will step in and whether that's uh and and that would be shaq thompson and uh we would we would continue to move forward and so uh we feel great about the depth and that, and the depth that we have at linebacker the depth that we have at the uh at the linebacker position so the next player will just have to step up and they will like we've had to do uh, on different occasions, and, and, and we'll keep everything going in the direction that we need to go in. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to let you go, but I just wanted to see, you know, obviously you've worked with a, a fair amount of uh, terrific defensive coaches, Ron Rivera, Steve Wilkes, Sean McDermott. What what do you consider your defensive philosophy, um, and, and how have you kind of taken that from all of the guys you've worked with in the past? Well, here is number one. We we don't we don't major in defenses here at the Carolina Panthers. We're not defensive concepts. We have a system that we believe in, and that system really involves how we do things more than what we do. And so we we want our players. We want the players and the men in our and on our side of the ball to understand and appreciate that. And being smart, uh, 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 being physical. Uh, playing with great effort, uh, making sure that that that, uh, that 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 we're taking the football the way that we're creating negative plays, stopping the run, has been a huge part of what we do. Our, our philosophy and my philosophy really it really doesn't revolve around defensive concepts, if you will, as much as it does uh, culture. And we want to be sound with that. We want to be on the high end of that. And if we do, it really won't matter what we call. We've got great personnel. And our approach has always been and always will be as long as I'm here personnel driven. Terrific. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Eric. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you're welcome, Josh. You have a great one. You too. Thanks, Coach. You bet.